0: This was never in the plan. I was like telling my friends like, hey, before you go and have like two babies back to back, like maybe, I don't know, check like farmer's almanac or something. Make sure there's no pandemic panning out in the next few years because this shit sucks. So like, just be aware that this is now a possibility and you could be trapped in your house with your kids screaming for like two straight months and it's not ideal.
1: Caroline? Kristen? Today's the big day. Unladylike the podcast has been sheltering in place since we went on season break in early April, and it is finally time for her to step out again. And yes, y'all, she is wearing a mask. <laughs> well, in related news, Kristen, uh, this is my first
2: episode coming to y'all from my roommate's closet. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, I actually love being in a really enclosed space. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm really loving any womb-like spaces these days, too, because, as you know, Caroline, as everyone knows, we've basically been living in the upside down where, one, global pandemic, and two, home is where the everything is. You know, allegedly non-essential jobs, gyms, daycare centers, doctor's offices, your neighborhood BYOB bar, like, (laughs) they've all moved home.
2: Yeah, uh, COVID has really put a fresh spin on the idea of having it all, Kristen, (laughs) which is why we're starting this season of Unladylike
1: with one of the most loaded questions you can ask someone these days. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree with the Unladylike listener at the top of the show that uh, it is not ideal. Um, (laughs) You know, this is a super emotional time for folks on so many levels, and... A lot of us are experiencing just different shades of grief over lost loved ones, lost jobs, or simply just like a lost baseline peace of mind. And Kristen, as of this recording, you and I haven't had
2: close friends or family members who've gotten sick from COVID, but the pandemic has definitely changed our plans for 2020. Like, By this time, we would have already been back from an East Coast tour where we were supposed to meet one of our favorite humans face-to-face for the very first time.
1: Yeah, our first tour stop was going to be in Chicago, home to Tyler Fetter, the amazing artist who illustrated our Unladylike book. And we decided that we still needed to call up Tyler anyway for this episode to find out how she's doing. So Tyler just published a book of her own. And it honestly couldn't come at a better time for those grappling with a lot of loss right now.
3: Dancing at the Pity Party is a graphic memoir, which is like a graphic novel, but it's a true story. Um, It's not like a regular memoir with a lot of graphic imagery in it it like feels weird every time i say it um anyway it's about my mom dying of cancer when i was 19 and it's like the whole enchilada from like when she first felt symptoms to then the diagnosis and when she died and the funeral and everything and then learning to like be an adult without a living mom and it's not 100% sad. A lot of it is sad, but it's not only sad. <laughs> it's, it's not like The Notebook or something. <laughs> um.
1: This unladylike episode isn't 100% sad either. Tyler says that creating Dancing at the Pity Party was essential for her processing her mom's death and also being able to make art through that. And we think that hearing from someone who's really been through it and come out the other side of grief can hopefully offer some perspective and comfort to listeners right now. And
2: speaking of listeners, Kristen, after we hear from Tyler, we're going to hear from Unladies who've left us voice memos and called in to share how COVID is impacting their day-to-day lives. Then we're closing it out with a much-needed Zoom trip to our favorite Unladylike therapist, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford. Kristen, one of the things I love the most about Tyler is her way of embracing the absurdity and awkwardness in the awful, like the time she and her two sisters had to make a very weird trip to the mall.
3: We went shopping for like funeral (laughs) clothes at Forever 21. And it was like blasting like club music in there. And a cashier said to me and my sister, are you looking for anything special? And we were like, No, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And we just, like, keep going through all the colorful clothes, trying to find, like, anything that was all black.
1: (laughs) Flash forward to this spring when Tyler was supposed to be out and about for her Dancing at the Pity Party book tour. And let's just say she hasn't needed to shop for any new outfits this time around.
2: What has it been like to have your book come out during a pandemic? (laughs)
3: I mean, not at all what I was expecting (laughs) for this book, but it's kind of been nice. I mean, it's, like, such a personal story, and it's about a time of, like, illness and death, which is what's happening in the world right now, so I don't know. The fact that everyone is, like, stuck at home, which is sort of the way I am, even not when it's a pandemic, (laughs) feels, like, almost appropriate. It's like, I don't know if it were like an adventure or something, like an action book, maybe it would be different, but it's this like emotional like family thing and everyone is emotional and stuck with their families.
2: So a lot of people are experiencing grief right now, you know, whether that's because a family member passed or like just because life is so upside down. But Grief is never just, like, one thing, and it's not static. So I'm curious, like, how has grief evolved for you, and what have you learned about it, especially now that you've written a whole book about your mom?
3: I think grief is something that's really personal, and it's really different for every person who goes through it. And it's something where you can't really, like, predict how it's going to affect you. So, like, when my mom first died, my dad was just crying in public all the time. (laughs) And it was kind of embarrassing then. But now I'm like, you know what? Like, it's fine. People can deal with seeing someone showing emotion. And, like, that's what he needed. And now he's doing way better. And with me, I, like, got really sentimental and, like, kept a ton of my mom's stuff. And I found myself being angry a lot at, like, people who would complain about their moms, where it's like, oh, my mom calls me too much. (laughs) And I just want to, like, punch them in the face. (laughs) And I would, you know, never say any of that. I just feel like, oh, yeah, that sucks. But, yeah, it's just... Everyone's different, and it's still very much a part of my life. That's, like, another thing I've learned. Like, it's not going to go away, and I'm okay with that. I mean, so it's been 11 years now since my mom died, and most of the time I'm totally fine. It's just, like, something I know about myself is that I have a dead mom. It's, like, a quality of who I am. But sometimes I'll just, like have a whole, like, breakdown from, like, watching a movie or just something really small. And it's just, like, something I have to deal with, just like any other part of my mental health. Has
2: the, like, (laughs) the current environment, the way things are, like, has this moment stirred up any additional emotions for you around the book or, like, around grief?
3: I'm, like, not a particularly, like, touchy-feely, like, physically kind of person, but I have just been wanting hugs so badly during the pandemic, and I live by myself with a cat who does not like hugs, (laughs) but he has to deal with that because I'm going to give him them anyway. (laughs) But there is... There's something relatable about the uncertainty in all of this. And that was something that was really hard about my mom being sick is that we were sort of like itching for any kind of like positive, like theories or possibilities that we could find. So it sort of feels like that's what we're doing now. It's like, oh, could the pandemic end by fall? Like, are we going to be able to do Halloween like normal? And that is, like, kind of how it was with my mom. I I used to think, like, oh, will she be able to see me graduate from college? Like, do you think what's going to happen? And that uncertainty is really hard to sit with. And I think we all have to do it now, which is tough.
1: What is your advice to listeners who want to support friends or loved ones who are experiencing grief but might not know the best way to express it. And we don't want to be awkward and we don't want to, like, bring it up because we don't want to make things uncomfortable, but we also want to, people to know that we mm-hmm, care. Mm-hmm. Like, what as, as someone who has gone through it, what's your advice for for folks who want to help from the outside?
3: I think something that's always nice is bringing up the person's parent or whatever loved one um, in a way that's, like, unrelated to their death. Or, like, if your friend mentions their, like, dad or whoever, to ask questions and be like, oh, yeah, what was he like or whatever. Because it's it's such a, like, balm to get to just talk about her when I'm sad and talk about not the sad stuff. I also... Found One of my cousins said to me after my mom died, like, I can't imagine what you're going through. And that was, like, my favorite thing that anyone had said. Because, like, he couldn't imagine it and he was, like, acknowledging that. And it just, it made it easier to talk to him about it. Just, like, it really, like, validated how I was feeling. I think also just, like, being available to your friend just like for regular friend stuff but not uh taking it personally if they your grieving friend is like unexpectedly canceling plans or something like that because everyone's different but i just think like validation asking questions bring a baked good. (laughs) No one's going to complain if you bring a baked good. That's just like, I guess unless someone's like allergic to gluten, but you can bring a gluten-free baked good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tyler, thank you so much for talking to us today. But um, just for, I mean, you've 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 really imprinted on Unladylike in so many ways, and we just are thrilled for you and your book and yeah, it was was so fun to get to actually
3: talk to you. Oh my god, you too. Thank you.
2: Up next, we're hopping on the unladylike hotline to take listeners' calls about how they're getting through the quarantines.
1: Don't go anywhere.
2: We're back, and it's time to hear how y'all are doing these days. First, a few unladies named Lindsay, Mackenzie, and Trisha filled us in about what their COVID upside downs look like.
4: My name is Mackenzie. I'm a senior
2: in
3: high school. And just like all of you, I'm in the middle of a pandemic. I can't stop looking back at that last day, and we didn't even know it. My friends and I keep talking about that. And I remember going to school that week and it felt a little bit weirder every day. And I remember it was a Thursday. That was our last day. And I jokingly said to my friends, "Oh, who knows, like, this could be our last day of school ever. And like to think that that actually was is so crazy to me. So bizarre.
1: Hello, this is Trisha and I had COVID-19. Uh, I am an essential worker. I work in the healthcare field and worked before and after being sick. Um, I was sick starting in about mid-March. It took me 12 days of fighting every day with doctors and hospitals to get myself tested. And that experience was extremely stressful on top of already feeling like garbage (laughs) So what I'd really like to get out there is if you do get sick, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. If you're able, take care and stay safe out there. Much love to all of you.
0: Y'all, it is straight chaos. We're all just like in survival mode all day, every day. And at the end of the day, I'm just like high-fiving myself like, hey, I did it. (laughs) Like I survived another day with these like crazy kids and a husband that gets to like shut himself in our office all day while I'm just, like, you know, watching cartoons and Baby Shark on repeat.
1: We heard from a number of overwhelmed moms like Lindsay who just needed to let off some steam, as well as folks going through just some straight-up relationship issues in quarantine, like our next caller, Melanie, who phoned in bright and early from Australia to catch us up.
5: Um, I'm doing pretty well. I... I'm actually surprised at how well I'm doing with all the lockdown stuff, to be honest. But yeah, either way, I did have two jobs. I now have one job and have a four-year-old who's now not at childcare anymore. So is pretty much at home with me 24-7. But yeah, we're doing all right with it. It's The main sort of difference I've seen is that the whole change in situation has exacerbated a lot of issues that already existed in the marriage. So yeah, we're just sort of navigating through that and it's been interesting. Yeah.
2: So what issues have y'all been having to work through now that you're kind of stuck together?
5: The main one that's sort of bugging me the most is sort of the different ways that we're managing caregiving. So I'm working from home just for one of my jobs. Um, And normally I would work one or two days a week, but because Bridget's at home with us, I'm doing like lots of little three-hour chunks because that's easier for a four-year-old to cope with. And while I'm working, he'll like keep her alive and feed her and entertain her, but like that's it. Whereas when I'm taking care of her, I'll like do the dishes, do some laundry, like clean a bit, like run errands, do stuff, and he apparently can't cope with more than one thing at once. Um, So that's, yeah, becoming a bit of a problem.
2: Is this something that, like, kind of already was percolating that you just hadn't talked about, or is this something that has become clear only with the quarantine?
5: No, it's something we have talked about before um, and that has been an issue for a while, and we have done, like, counseling and stuff. But now that everything's in lockdown, like can't get away from each other. And so it's more of an issue because we're at home all the time, but it's also something that I don't want to bring up because we're home all the time Mm -hmm. and I don't want to make things like awkward and, you know, arc things up. So I'm just sort of putting up with it. And I guess he's also putting up with it or maybe he's completely oblivious, who knows? But (laughs) yeah, it's just, like, what we've got to put up with until we're allowed some space away from each other to deal with
1: it. I I keep seeing all of these stories and personal essays being written about this very thing of how, especially being in lockdown and everyone being forced into the domestic space, is really (laughs) revealing how entrenched those traditional especially when we get into like opposite gender couples like how entrenched those like uh traditional gender roles still are and i just wonder like what what do we do about making our domestic lives healthier too
5: yeah i don't know like i've seen the memes going around and there's sort of the two opposites. There's the one that says there's going to be a baby boom in nine months, but there's also the one that says divorce courts are going to be like <laughs> overwhelmed when we all get out of lockdown. <laughs> I'm certainly not having another baby to fix this problem.
3: Um, I was
1: literally thinking like yesterday about how like, if any of my friends are having a lot of sex right now, like I don't even know them. Like what? How, <laughs> how
4: would that even be happening?
1: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you for calling us so early, though. No worries.
5: Thanks for opening up the phone lines. It's been good.
2: Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry that, you know, that this bullshit is going on, but I I hope you work it out and I hope things get better and I hope you stay safe.
5: Yeah, thanks. You too. There's definitely lots of positives, so I'm trying to focus on those.
1: Well, take care and I hope that the rest of the quarantine goes okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Melanie.
6: Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Okay, up next, we have Mackenzie.
6: Hi, Hi Mackenzie. Mackenzie. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, you know. <laughs> How <laughs> are you? Tell us
2: Tell us what's going on with you.
6: Well, um, currently, I am a juggling <laughs> fiend. Um, I wear a lot of hats at my house. I have... Um, three kids, and a recently disabled spouse who had a near-fatal brain infection over the summer. After six months of marriage, she got really sick from a medication she was taking for MS and spent almost the entire summer in the hospital and then came home, like I said, um, disabled. And so as we're navigating that, now we're, we're navigating this COVID-19 thing, and you know, all the kids are home from school and... And self-employed, and so carving out time to run a business and school kids and take care of my spouse, and then there's that thing called self-care. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So my heart really goes out to anybody who's got people to care for right now. Um, you know, it's, it's a big job, and it's, it's really hard to take care of oneself, too, you know, while going through this unprecedented thing.
2: <laughs> well, what have you been doing to take
6: care of yourself? Um, we get froyo once a week. <laughs> um, nice. Nice. That's my love language. <laughs> um, and I have a, I have an art studio in my basement that kind of doubles as my office right now. And I retreat into that space every day, um, for at least an hour and just, you know, sink my fingers into a project or puts around and, or reorganize my paintbrushes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I do get outside a lot. You know, um, we have what we're calling a victory garden um, starting. We're in Michigan, so it's still pretty, pretty cold. But, um, you know, we've started, we've tilled it. And, you know, so getting into the earth has been really helpful for me. And, yeah, just taking breaks and making sure to get away from it all is something I'm really working on right now.
3: Well,
2: one last question. Do you have any advice for folks out there who who are juggling a lot, too, and are trying to find time to take care of themselves on top of it?
6: Absolutely. I think the concept of self-care is um, really rooted in um, privilege. And so I really hesitate to say, you know, (laughs) self-care. But um, I think any kind of anything that feeds one's spirit, whether it be taking a bath or crying your eyes out in your closet, or having froyo, or phoning a friend. Um, You know, there's no shame in crying. I cry literally every day, and I feel so much better afterwards. And I'm open with those around me about my feelings, you know, that if I'm down in my office, and the door is closed. That means I need time. You know, I sometimes I feel kind of selfish sitting down here (laughs) by myself for an hour or two. But In the end, I think it makes me a better spouse and a better ringleader and a better mom. So, yeah, I think taking time for yourself is going to be the number one thing.
1: Well, Mackenzie, thank you for taking time for us. (laughs) We really appreciate it. I love you guys. You guys are great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
2: We're going to take a quick break, y'all. And when we come back a special
1: guest tells us about her magical backyard. Don't go anywhere. JK, it's not like we could. I mean, (laughs) where would we even go? We're back, taking your calls on life in the time of coronavirus. All right, Caroline, let's hop back on the Unladylike hotline. Uh, Kristen, we seem to have someone pretty special on the
2: line.
7: Hi, Mom. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Caroline. How are you all? Hi, Nancy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. <laughs> I, I'm i so curious, Mom. Besides, you know, trips to the grocery store and whatnot, what is bringing you a little bit of joy these days, Mom?
7: <laughs> you know the answer
1: to that question.
7: No, I don't. You know how much I love my backyard. Yes. And my birds. It's a great backyard. I really am grateful for more time to really listen and pay attention to. What's going on in my backyard, and finding and noticing? Oh, the hummingbirds have come back, uh, the blue grosbeak has come back. And uh, one really fun thing was two days in a row, the black snake that lives in our backyard came out, and I hadn't seen him in ages. And he's an important friend because he helps monitor the chipmunks, hopefully. But it's just, those are the things that have just looking, just, it's, I think it's been nature. Those are the things that have really taken a look and listening and things like that. And watching my little garden, my tiny little garden come back.
1: (laughs) Well, Mom, thanks for calling in. Well, thank you for answering my call. Well, I love you very much.
7: I love you. And I think this is wonderful that you're doing this and, and, um. I love
1: unladylike. <laughs> Tell dad I say hi. I
7: will do that. Good to talk to you, girl. You too,
1: mom. Women. You're not Bye. girls,
7: you're women. Ah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. I love you Bye, all. Bye, mom. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
2: All right. Our next caller is Michelle. She is a teacher in Kentucky. Hey, Michelle, what's going on? Hi, how are you? how How are you riding out the whole quarantine situation? How How are you doing?
4: Well, I really miss my class. I really miss my students and hmm. their routines. And I don't know. It's just it, it's just getting boring. I think just being at home and doing work just from home trying to find a balance because it's so easy to spend hours on your computer.
1: How are how are your students faring? Like not so much like schoolwork wise, but like are they um does it seem like they're doing okay?
4: Like emotionally? Yeah. Um you know what? I think some of them are really struggling and some of them are doing maybe a little bit better. I know there's some students that might be having a really hard time um i have this student and he's a very good student and i've noticed that he had not done any work so i sent him a text through remind and like a few days later he just replied something like hey mr hess is being really hard in the quarantine i apologize and i mean you never know i mean you see the kids in your classroom and sometimes you don't think about all those things they're going through at home So I'm guessing he must be going through something. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be mean or anything. I just need to understand everything that he's going through. And I just told him, you turn in your work whenever you're ready to turn it in. It's okay. And I mean, that's the only thing that I can do and try to show him support.
1: Well, Michelle, thank you so much for calling in. We really
4: appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you for having me. It was nice talking to you. You,
1: you too. too. Stay safe and thanks for calling. Thank you. Okay. Next on the line I think we've got Aurora. Hi. So where are you?
0: Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Albany, New York. And I'm I'm sixteen, so I'm uh and I go to a boarding school in Massachusetts. So I have been this is like the longest I've been with my parents in like the last
4: year and
1: a half. Whoa. Tell us about that. How's it going?
0: It, It is hard. I think, you know, as a teenager right now, it's like the time that we like should be like expanding and kind of moving away from our parents and spending more time with friends and kind of like figuring out who we are. And I think, I don't know, but I feel like for a lot of us young people, this might be the first time where we have to like sit down and we can't really run from ourselves. So I'm trying to like work on myself and like look inward and see, like, okay, what, and listen and, like, see what I need to do so I can become, even in this midst of all this, like, the adult that I want to be eventually.
1: Aurora, how are you holding up day to day?
0: It's ebbs and flows. Like, some days I'll be like, like, oh, yeah, I want to, like, do all these things and I can accomplish them. And other days I feel really down and really anxious about, like, the state of the world or being away from my friends. Um, And you And you feel, I feel really alone. So it, I think I'm just, like, also kind of telling myself that all of my feelings are valid and okay um, and just, like, take it one step at a time. And I also i am not trying to make myself – in general, I have a problem with, like, feeling like I'm, like I'm not doing enough. You know, I'm not, like, getting enough done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you have to let that feeling go. Um, and you have to, like, do the things that make you feel good. And it's important to stay active but also realize that, like, burnout is a real thing. Um, and it's not – that's not sustainable. And that's not going to help you. So I think, like, trying to let go of, like, these kind of toxic things that I tell myself that are actually hurting me.
2: Uh, Can I just say that some of the stuff that you're saying took me years to figure out? (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: wow, I'm very impressed. Uh, (laughs) And I'm just, like, I'm over here quietly taking notes, like, "Mm, okay, I'm going to (laughs) be
2: Avoid burnout. (laughs) You're right, you're right. No, you're right. I can't do everything. You're right. Do you have older friends who, like, can't walk across the street stage for graduation or like can't have a prom Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm pretty close with the seniors. And I think just thinking about the like loss that will never, I'm really glad that I'm not a senior um, and that I'm a sophomore, but I can't imagine like also just like the springtime and kind of like these closing months of your high school careers, like a time for closure Um, because it's a big chunk of your life. It's, like, four years, and you're also, like, going off to college, and it's just, like, this real stepping stone. Um, And that you don't get that, that's really, really hard. I think goodbyes are really important, Uh, and and this is not a proper goodbye. Um, And and also, like, four years, like, you know, everyone's, like, worked really hard and, like, grown so much. I feel really, really a lot of empathy, as much as I can, for the people who won't be able to get those kind of closing moments. Well, thank you, Aurora. We really like talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was really lovely to talk to you, too. Oh, Caroline,
1: it's time for therapy with our next and final guest, who is a returning guest, I should say.
2: Yeah, y'all might remember Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford from episode 43, How to Feel Sad. She's a licensed psychologist, podcaster, and founder of Therapy for Black Girls based right here in Atlanta. She's also created a whole online community called the Yellow Couch Collective, which is centered around mental health and wellness for black women and girls.
1: We wanted to check in to see how Dr. Joy is doing and if she can offer us some professional advice on just how to cope with all of our emotions in this very emotional time.
2: Hi, Dr. Joy. This is Caroline.
8: This is Kristen. Hey, y'all. Happy to be back with you.
2: Oh, we're so glad to have you back. To just start off, can you tell us what is it like being a therapist right now?
8: Hmm. Yeah, so there's definitely lots going on. Um, so my practice at this point is still very limited, though I am anticipating that I will be taking on new clients um, in the very new near future. Um, but just in conversations with colleagues who are still practicing with a pretty full caseload, um, they're holding a lot, um, you know, and Also, very quickly, a lot of them have had to make the transition to virtual sessions when they weren't before. Um, And so it's a very different kind of experience, right? So, you know, our training is in holding space. And even though we may have training in, like, how to perform virtual therapy, it is a very different experience. And so people have been finding um, that they're not able to see kind of back-to-back clients like they were before, just because the energy it takes to do virtual therapy is very different than in-person therapy. Um, So I think all of us are, like, learning new things about ourselves and how we practice, um, Mm -hmm. but also holding just lots and lots of anxiety and grief and, you know, stress for the clients that we are seeing.
2: So your practice is called Therapy for Black Girls. Mm -hmm. And with COVID hitting Black communities especially hard, how, from your perspective, is that affecting your clients' mental health?
8: I think in addition to the stress and anxiety and, you know, grief experiences that other people are experiencing, there is also this additional layer, I think, for lots of Black clients of how systems have yet again failed us. Um, So there's also very rightfully so anger. Um, continuing mistrust about, you know, like how this will continue to develop and what a vaccine would look like and is it even going to be safe. Um, I also think that there have been conversations just about um, you know, when we think about like the types of businesses that people are reopening, especially, I mean, we're all in Georgia. Right. And so, you know, we know the governor has opened nail salons, mm-hmm. uh, bowling alleys and barbershops. And there tends to be a high number of people of color in those kinds of occupations. And so, um, you know, I think people are angry. People are feeling discarded yet again. Um, You know, I think many of us already kind of understood our relationship to this country. But I think for some people, it is a reawakening to Mm. how grossly um, ingest lots of these systems are towards the Black community.
1: Right. And what do you recommend in terms of how to be there for other people and show up for other people when we are socially
8: distanced and might not be able to literally show up for people? Hmm. Yeah. So I think you have to be honest in terms of your bandwidth. Um, you know, because I think again, you know, as women, sometimes we like to kind of overgive and show up, even if we're running on fumes. And so I think, especially right now, it's important to have an honest assessment of your own energy and your own bandwidth of being able to show up for other people. Um, and then let people know, like, hey, I can maybe do this, but I can't do all of what you're asking for. Uh, but if you do have the bandwidth, if you do have the energy then I think it is helpful to make sure that you're checking in with people. Um, so, hey, just thinking about you, Wanted to send you a quick text. Um, if you're able to kind of drop off little care packages, if you live in the same city as people that you love, then doing those kinds of nice little surprises and in, in small gestures, I think can be helpful um, for people who may not, who may find it difficult to get out to go to the grocery store or pick up medication. You can offer to do things like that. Um, So I think small gestures can go a really long way, especially given that we are not able to gather with one another right now in the ways that we've been used to.
2: So as listeners will remember when they listened to our episode with you before, we, ha- we have talked to you before about like managing and experiencing our sadness, mm-hmm. but we're also hearing from a lot of people who are dealing with grief yes. and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So what is your advice for managing all of those mixed up kind of turbulent emotions right now? And is it different from what it would normally be?
8: Hmm. So I do think that there are some special circumstances here that add a different flavor, so to speak, to what anxiety and grief is looking like right now. Um, I think particularly related to grief, I think that there are lots of different reasons for grieving right now. Um, and so, you know, one, people are grieving the loss of loved ones who have passed due to COVID-19 or who have passed for other reasons and we are not able to gather um, to kind of memorialize people in the same. Ways, And so I think that that has made it really difficult to experience like the closure that you usually get from being able to gather at a funeral and talk with old family members and those kinds of things that typically would happen that kind of give you some sense of closure to a a loss those things are not happening. And so I think people are having to reimagine what kinds of ways they can still connect with family and loved ones to memorialize the lives of their loved ones. Um, so that may mean, you know, kind of getting together on Zoom to share your favorite memories about um, your loved one or cooking their favorite meal together and then having conversations about that. Um, and then, you know, hopefully when we are able to gather, gather again, then you're able to maybe have more of a traditional type of memorial service. But I think people people are also grieving, and again, rightfully so, the loss of what they thought this year would be like, right? So for people who, you know, lots of different things, right? People were getting married, um, having their first children, uh, graduating from high school and college, or, you know, graduate school. People had athletic competitions, like all of these things that have been upended because of the state of affairs right now. There's also space to grieve that, right? And I think sometimes people are getting into this feeling guilty because they feel like, oh, well, I've not lost a loved one or my my family has not been hit. So I don't deserve to grieve those things. But you do deserve to grieve those things. That is something that you were looking forward to. And so it's okay to say, oh, this kind of sucks that this doesn't look like what I planned it to look like. Um, so to be able to find somewhere that can hold space for that conversation for you, I think is going to be really important.
1: Is there anything, Dr. Joy, that we haven't touched on that um, you would like listeners to know in terms of um, just surviving, getting through this time, um, mm-hmm. and, and mental health management?
8: Yeah, so I think it's really important to remember that we are all just doing the best that we can. There is no playbook for how to survive a pandemic. Um, you know, you will hear lots of conversation about, "Oh, if you don't come out of this with a new business and a new book and all of these things, please ignore those <laughs> things." Um, you know, and but I but I want to say If how you are managing your stress and anxiety is by pouring it into new projects, then that is great for you. But that doesn't mean that that is the only way to survive this. You know, so lots of people are just trying to get through one day after another. Um, so please don't feel pressure to learn all these new skills and new tasks and hobbies. Again, if you feel like you want to do that and you have the bandwidth, then totally fine. But for everyone else, really, if all you can do is get to the other side of this healthy and mostly okay, then you have one. That is the goal for this.
2: Yeah, I thought I was going to learn to uh, make jewelry. <laughs> we all just laugh <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yeah. yeah Dr. Joy thank you so much for taking time mm. to check in with us uh, we really appreciate it
8: you're welcome
2: all right on ladies how are y'all doing in quarantine times Is anything sucking? Is anything bringing you joy? We want to know. Tell us your thoughts at hello at unladylike.co. Find us on social at unladylikemedia. Or join our private Facebook group and jump into the thread for this
1: episode. Thank you to everyone who emailed us, left us voice memos, and called into the Unladylike hotline for this episode. We heard from so many of y'all that we could not include every single voice, and someone that we wanted to spotlight is our Atlanta neighbor Aisha, who called about being a caregiver for her mom. Aisha works with an organization called Caring Across Generations, which advocates for caregivers and was founded by past Unladylike guest Ai-jen Poo. So definitely go check out their work at caringacross.org.
2: Plus, if y'all want more of Dr. Joy, which we know you do, be sure to check out our episode from March 2019 called How to Feel Sad. It has Dr. Joy and it also has Nora McInerney.
1: For this episode's sources, transcripts, and our weekly Unladylike newsletter, head over to unladylike.co. You can also pop by the shop while you're there to glow up your work-from-home uniform with an Unladylike sweatshirt. Nora Ritchie is the senior producer of Unladylike.
2: Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Shruti Marate transcribes our tape. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Mixing is by Andy Christens. Sound design and additional music is by Casey Holford. Executive producers are Chris Bannon, Daisy Rosario, and Unladylike Media. This podcast was created by your hosts, Kristen Conger. And Caroline Irvin of Unladylike Media.
7: Next week. That was a time when playing two women on alternative radio, one was too much. Especially if you were doing something that they didn't understand. They would just say, Tari, you're going to destroy your career. And I'm like, well, if I can't wake up and look at myself in the morning, who cares? Self-respect, right?
2: Y'all, we're talking to the one
1: and only Tori Amos, patron saint of straddling piano benches. Make sure you're subscribed to Unladylike. Find us in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, y'all, got a problem? Get Unladylike.
2: Let me do all the mic handling right now, and then I'll be ready. Who's mic? <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: oh, there's so much terrifying tape already on this track. <laughs> Stitcher.